all God's holy people in Christ Jesus. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until I now. I joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Okay, good morning. Our scripture this morning comes from Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we come before you today grateful for who you are, grateful for the words that you spoke through Paul. Lord, thank you for the people that come to mind as we read the scripture, who have loved us, who have impacted us. Lord, help us to be people that pass that on. May your scripture watch, wash over us this morning. Fill us with your truth and your grace and your love. Amen. Okay, I'm going to give a little disclaimer before Matt begins this morning. He's had laryngitis all week. <laughs> so he has not been talking for the last two or three days. He's been writing everything in a hope to save his voice so that he can come and preach this morning. So he's going to give it a go. If he's not successful, I'm going to come up and read his notes uh, as best I can. So, as you listen, also pray that God would sustain his voice. Yeah, you. You okay, please be seated. Uh, my, uh, my hope is that between cough drops and tea and your prayers and Joy's fervent prayers, uh, I'll get through it. So... Uh, I think my voice will be here until suddenly it's not, and then you'll get an upgrade. All right, sound good? Uh, Joy's been joking, telling the kids. Well, it's not a joke, it's totally serious, but she's been telling the kids, you know, we've been married a long time. I've, I've, never, I've never heard your dad quiet before. <laughs> I, apparently, I'm not even quiet when I'm sleeping. I'm snoring. <laughs> it's a new thing for me. But, um, but hey, I'm excited to share with you um, uh, from this scripture. Just to orient you, if you weren't here last week, we started a new series uh, called Resilient Joy. 
and we are uh, studying the book of Philippians. It is uh, Paul's letter uh, to this one particular church in the city of Philippi for whom he has great affection, but he's writing from a jail cell, and a ton of things have gone wrong, have, gone, have, gone, have been difficult, I guess would be a better way to say it. Uh, he's been falsely accused. He's been put in prison. Uh, at one point, people threw rocks at him, trying to kill him and left him for dead. He's been shipwrecked. All of these things have happened. And, uh, and yet his letter from prison, the defining word by anyone, any Bible commenter that reads is like, this is a book of joy. This is a, a, a person writing who's uh, exuberant uh, with joy. And we're asking the question throughout these 12 weeks of studying it, how? How in the world is this person who's been through so much so joyful? And the fruit of that, what we're hoping to find, is some secret to how we can be resiliently joyful, where we hit bumps in the road and they don't defeat us. They don't submerge us. We actually can continue to celebrate and be joyful. Isn't that something that we want? And so we're on a quest to figure out what can we learn from from this book. So last week, uh, I pointed out that the book is not actually just written from Paul. It's Paul and Timothy. Remember that? It's Paul and Timothy. He's not alone there in the prison. There's two of them. He has a a comrade in arms. And and here we see uh, that there's also some fellowship that's happening uh, with the the Philippians. We'll see this in verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. So last week, we were looking at the fact that he's got someone there with him inside his jail, inside his suffering, and that makes a difference, right? Here we find that while he's inside the jail cell, it also makes a difference to him inside the jail cell that he has someone to write to, someone outside of that immediate problem that that cares about him, that loves him, and that stands with him. That also makes a difference. A huge difference. Somehow, every time he thinks about the Philippians, he's there, he's suffering, but every time he thinks of these, this group of people, it springs joy within him. Like, why is that? Verse 5, he tells us why. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So what does that mean, partnership in the gospel? Somehow, he's in this big problem, He's in this big jail cell with people, I'm sure, being mean around him. But he thinks about this group of people and he springs to to life with joy because they've been partners with him in the gospel. He feels this, this, um, this bond with them from being sort of in the trenches with them. Have you ever felt that with someone? I, I, uh, I have a lot of uh, my grand, grandfathers and I've known a lot of people that have been in the military and served in a war. And all of them wouldn't wish a war on anybody and uh, look at it as just such a hard and horrible, difficult thing. And yet there's one piece of fruit that seems to always come from it, which is the bond 
of uh, the friendship, the brotherhood that they feel with the people they went through hell with? Do you have people that you've gone through things with and it becomes this bonding thing? In particular, the kind of uh, deep fellowship like that that he's talking about is a, is a partnership in the gospel, like for a cause. He's, he's, he's done ministry. He's fought this good fight for the great cause of Christ alongside other people. I wonder, if, have you ever experienced a, a bond with someone? Maybe you, you served on a mission trip or maybe you volunteered for, for a kid's camp or, or you did something hard together for the gospel with someone else and you, just, you have that shared life, that shared experience with someone else. You have a, a little bit of a glow about that friendship. That's what he's talking about. Paul has a particular double bond with the Philippian church in particular. First, he's done ministry in Philippi with them. So when he was with them in their city, he ministered to them, he ministered with them as they sought to reach out to their community. He has that bond of fellowship. But there's something different about the Philippian church that really stands out. That's that they, they stayed with him even as he went on. So he moved on from the city of Philippi and he went to other places. And in those other places, he sought to share the gospel. And the Philippian church supported him in that. They sent uh, financial gifts. They sent food. They sent support. They sent people to check on him as he was seeking to plant other churches. When there was a famine in the land of Palestine, and he was taking up a collection to help the poor, uh, that the Christians that were suffering from a famine, they contributed to that. When he was in prison, they sent people to visit him while he was under house arrest. And in Philippians 4, which we'll get to later in the series, he thanks them specifically for all the ways they've supported the ministry financially over time. So some Bible commenters uh, regard uh, the book of Philippians almost like a missionary support letter. Like someone that, say, we send out from our midst to go to some far-off land to go do some wonderful work for the Lord, and they write letters back to us saying, hey, thanks for your support. Let me, know, let, me, let me let you know some updates of what's going on. I particularly um, relate to this metaphor because I had an experience in my life of uh, serving overseas. And when my family and I first moved to, uh, to Ghana, I remember the first few days I was there, we had a major logistical challenge of getting money, okay? It's a cash economy, uh, no checks, uh, no credit cards. They would just scoff at you if you try to show them a credit card. Like, what is that? Uh, so it's a cash economy, and they don't take dollars. It's, it's Ghanaian CDs. And I just had the darnest time putting my ATM card in, trying to make it work. You know, kept getting locked up, security. You know, I talked to the banks beforehand, but just nothing was working. And I was trying to do the verification with the bank. And then, like, because I was in Africa, there was, like, all these flags were going up. I just could not get cash. And the bills were kind of piling up. And, and I got to feed my family. We got to pay for taxis. We got we to establish ourselves there. And, and, and I'm borrowing money from every missionary that I meet. <laughs> And it was a super awkward thing for several days. And, and then finally, when we finally got this resolved, and I was finally at an ATM machine, and, and we were able to get cash to, to come out of the ATM machine, I could pay back my loans to all these, you know, fierce missionaries. And, 
I could, uh, I could, you know, pay pay for the things, get our life established. I actually like had this crazy experience where, when when it came out, my mind was flooded with all the people who supported us on that mission. You know, all all the friends, the neighbors, the, the the church members that had contributed towards the fund so that we could go and do this hard thing that we were doing in Ghana. Like when the money came, I like, I, my, my mind was just flooded with the faces of, of the people who put that money into that account. And I, and I really awkwardly sat down in this foreign country and cried on the curb with my cash, which is not recommended um, to do, okay? Uh, but I just was just, I, I was just, uh, I was in my like, one kind of missionary, long-term missionary moment, just flooded with, with joy and gratitude for all the people that I, I realized I'm not actually doing this by myself. And that made a huge difference for me to know that all, there are all these people behind me. Same thing with prayer. I sometimes hit some hard times and, and I would just be at the end of my rope and I'm like, I have no idea how I'm gonna, how I'm gonna endure whatever I'm, the thing I'm going through in that, in that moment. And this list of, of people that were on a prayer team for me, there was like, you know, my larger prayer team that I, that I shared everything with. And then there was this, the special forces, you know what I mean? <laughs> when you're like, I don't know if I can make this, right? And I remember this time where I was on this, 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 this big work trip and my back went out and, and we had to drive on these like eight hours of super bumpy roads. And I was sunburned in a country where they don't sell sunscreen. And, and just all these things were going wrong. And and I just sent out a message to this prayer team and some of them just wrote back prayers. Hey, this is what I'm praying for you. And, they, and just could see them uh, contending with the Lord and for me. And, and it was just so grateful. And I felt this, this deep experience of, of just being moved by, by these ways people were supporting us on this team. And so I, I feel like I can just kind of identify a little bit with, with, with Paul. He's, he's, he's kind of out there on a limb, right? He's really gone out there on a limb. Uh, as he's seeking to, to follow Jesus and, and make him known in the world. And he's able to write to the Philippians, like, who have his back. Like, you guys are with me, and you've stood by me this whole time. And I, I just feel this partnership in the gospel, and I, I'm drawing joy from that. I just want to ask this first application question. How can we, as a church, be like the Philippians? What are ways that we can love and bless one another that would cause them to overflow with joy and praise the Lord? How can you be like those Philippians for other people? And the second category of things that I want to just share with you is the way that Paul views people I think is also a source of joys or sort of maybe protection for him from the sources of despair, which I think threaten us uh, so often. I want to read this verse three again, emphasize different things. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. <laughs> it strikes me like, Every time? Always? All of them? Can you think of uh, someone in your life that would challenge the all of them? 
Can you think of moments, even with your most loved person, in which it would challenge your every time? I mean, what about Laker fans? Right? Sometimes it's hard. The Philippians were not perfect angels. Okay, they, they were not perfect people. They sometimes did things wrong. We know that because later in the letter, Paul's going to offer them some correction. And so we know that he doesn't regard them as, oh, they're perfect, and therefore I have this perfect friendship with this perfect person. So what is it in Paul and his perspective and his outlook on life that allows him to look at imperfect people with flaws and thank God every time for all of them. How can we be like that when people disappoint us, anger us, and frustrate us? And and, and to make this really pop, I just want to ask you to think with me about the last time a person made you furious. It might have been this morning as you're trying to get out the door to go to church. Just put on some shoes, kid. Maybe the last time you were on social media, the last time you watched the news, the last time you argued with your spouse or your kids, the last time you visited relatives for Thanksgiving. And our tendency when people frustrate us is to judge and label them, to categorize them in our minds. They are selfish. They are ignorant. They are hopelessly liberal or hopelessly conservative. They are immature. We slap a label on them and write them off. We associate people with a group that we don't like and write them off. When people say things or do things that we don't like, we start to just associate them with a category of other people who have angered us. Oh, you think like that? Oh, you must be one of them. And I don't like them or associate with them. Sometimes we're in an argument with people and anger wells up inside of us. And what do we do? We plot what we'd like to say to them next time to really show them. Right? How many times have you had uh, an interaction with a person and then later you play that tape over in your mind and change what you say? Have you done this? Right? We, we're like, oh, next time. How many times have you had the same argument with the same person in your mind over time? Right? Just spins around inside of us. Hopefully that's not all of us, but it's probably all of us some of the time. And I think that Paul has this approach to people which could help us in some of these situations. Help us in our approach and our just everyday interaction with imperfect people. He says this in verse six. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul's focus when he's interacting with these imperfect people whom he loves is not their imperfections. The primary story in Paul's mind is not their story of sin, 
but the story of what Jesus is doing in them. It's not primarily a story about failure and shortcomings. It's primary, primarily a story of Christ redeeming them and building something wonderful in them. He praises God that they're not who they used to be. He praises God that they'll not always be who they are now, but they've grown and they're growing. Paul recognizes that Christ has done a great work in him, and he trusts that God is going to do a great work in other people. Some of us, when we accepted Jesus into our hearts, we, we said, Jesus, Jesus, come be, be at home in me. Make your home in me, Lord. But we didn't expect him to come in and start moving the furniture and messing with the lights and the wiring and doing major renovations in our hearts. But that's what he does. That's what he moves in to do. And Paul knows that. It's in his own life and he sees it in them as well. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. And it makes him patient. It makes him confident and joyous. I want you to just turn to someone next to you and just repeat after me, okay? Just find someone that you can look at or you can text it to someone if you don't have anyone else. But find someone, okay? And look them in the eye, please, and repeat after me. It turns out that you're not rotten after all. <laughs> you're just not yet ripe. Can you, can you think of that? Next time someone makes you so mad, maybe don't say it out loud to them, but you could if you need to. You could say it in your head. Uh, it turns out you're not rotten after all. You're just not yet ripe. The Lord is not finished with you yet. You're on a journey towards ripeness, and you'll get there. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. When I was in Ghana, I, I sometimes got frustrated. There was this one uh, bishop. His name was uh, uh, Hilliard Dogby the AME Zion uh, denomination. He was in charge of all of Western West Africa. And, and he was someone that we would frequently visit in our work uh, for a national justice mission. And uh, he was someone who just got it. He, he, he just, he, 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 he got it. And uh, so I frequently would like look to him for inspiration. And uh, this one time I was just, I was whining. I was, I was like, oh, this world's so messed up. The church is so messed up. Nobody cares. The system's rigged against us. Ah, just everything's so hard as we're seeking to help these, these kids and the government doesn't care. And he would just smile and he would nod and he would just say, we'll get there. We'll get there. And, uh, and I'd whine some more, we'll, we'll get there. It was just so hopeful. You know, it was just so hopeful. It wasn't um, resting all of our feelings on what's happening now, but just to trust, you know, God's going to get us to this better place. And it was kind of like rooting his feelings on the future destination to which Christ is taking us. I just think that's so helpful for everything in life and for everything in relationships. So, Application question number two, just to encourage you to think about 
How might recognizing Christ at work in people soften your attitude towards them? Just say, I know Christ at work in you. He's brought you a long way. He's going to keep on working. And then this third piece that I want to share with you. In the, in the previous verses, uh, we learned that Paul is constantly praying for his friends in Philippi. Now he tells us what he's praying for them. He's like, I constantly remember you with joy in my prayers, right? Remembering your partnership in the gospel. But now he says actually what he prays. Just like my friends wrote to me what they prayed for me when I was at the end of my rope. This is what Paul prays for his beloved friends in Philippi. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Now, this is actually a pretty strange sentence. First of all, Paul writes in really complex sentences. I think they invented sentence diagramming just for him. Super confusing, and it's very, very, very long. Uh, But that's kind of the style of Greek of the day, but... But I just want to point out something because I think I've, I've, I've sort of misread this uh, most of my life, this, this sentence. I always read it as, I pray that you may abound in knowledge and insight. But it's not actually what it says. It says, I pray that your love will abound in knowledge and insight. What does that mean? Well, it's talking about this, this word, this word agape, love, which was a word in Greek beforehand, but Christians really took it and filled it full of, of a deeper meaning. This idea of selfless love, this, this self-giving love, this abundant, deep Christian love like Jesus Christ who sacrificed himself for us. This, this love which loves for its own sake, not out of some merit from someone else. Well, Paul says, I pray that your agape gets smarter and wiser. What do you make of that? Like, how does your love get smarter? Well, I'll give you an example from my own life. I love my wife. I really love joy. I agape joy. I also loved her way back when we first got married 20 years ago. But my love was dumber then. Okay? My love for my wife has certainly grown in knowledge because it's grown in knowledge of her. I have deeper insight than what I had 20 years ago into how to love my wife. I think someone had us early on read the the five love languages. Have you guys read this book? It's a great book. Just the idea that people give and receive love in different ways. And I I read it and I I probably taught it 20 years ago. But it wasn't until just a few years ago that I, that I figured out that the number one single best way for me to love my wife is to wash the dishes. <laughs> just, just, just wash them. Just, just do it without being asked. And I'll just clean up the kitchen. Just clean up, you know. That one, that one works, okay? <laughs> she does not care how I walk into a room, you know. I waste, wasted hours of practice, okay? <laughs> <laughs> she, she, does not, she does not care or even want me to wear cologne. She's like, oh, what is that? You know, like 
She doesn't go for sappy, romantic gestures. Those don't make much difference. But washing the dishes, boom. (laughs) Or watching the kids so that she can have some time to herself, boom. That one matters, right? We're making quality time, and I'm I'm still working on this next piece, okay? Where I turn off my phone, okay? Oof, that one, that one matters, and I'm working on it. And sit and just listen to her. Bing, bing, bing. Now my agape makes an impact on her and feels like agape. For years, probably, I would think, okay, how about I'll keep my phone on and not listen and just spray some cologne? Is that, no, that's not, that's not, how, that's not how it works, Right? So we can grow. Our love can actually grow and get smarter. Now, here's the problem that I want to try to address in that I think happens to almost all of our relationships. Most of the time, when we're in interactions, particularly in some kind of maybe heated argument, we are not focused on our love growing in knowledge and depth and insight. You know what we're focused on? We're focused on the other person growing in knowledge and depth of insight. Amen? And that's where we spend all our energy and our minds are just spinning in these arguments over and over. Like, how can I get this person to get smarter? Consider two people in a heated exchange. And this could be in person. It could be through email. It could be through social media. It could be on the phone. The two of you really start going at it. Your tempers are flaring. Your mind is racing with what your argument should be next. In the heat of that moment, how much energy are you expending in growing in knowledge and insight of your agape love for that person? When this is my attitude with my wife, I found out that it's never successful. Even if I win and I prove her wrong, it's a disaster for me. And it's true for you too, right? When you win, you actually lose. You defeat your enemy and you turn out, oh my gosh, (laughs) turned out it wasn't my enemy. I defeated myself, right? As long as we stay focused on winning, And changing the other person, nothing ever gets better. But every time I change and I focus on myself and growing on my uh, my own heart, every time I focus on my own heart growing in insight to the other person, 60% of the time, it works every time. Not everyone's seen the movie. It plays better in other audiences. Hey, the same principle is on social media. Do you believe it's possible to love people well on social media? No. I think, I, think, I think it can be done. Do you think it's possible to love people in the comment section online? I think it can be done. Can it be done with your neighbors and your siblings and your kids and your parents? I hope so. It starts with this shift in attitude. So first, just to, just to recap where we're at, Paul has this relationship with people that he loves because they're, they're partners in the gospel, right? They have a cause. 
that they are contending for, and they've gone through some things together, and that matters to him. Then secondly, he recognizes, you know, they're, they're not perfect people. They have flaws, and sometimes they, they disappoint me, but I'm going to trust that Jesus Christ is at work in them. He's not finished with them yet, and he's, Jesus, I don't have to fix everything. Jesus Christ is going to take them somewhere, and I'm really grateful for that. And then finally, he focuses on his own heart and on their hearts and that they can all, their own agape love can grow in knowledge and depth of insight. No one, grow in knowledge and depth of insight into who Christ is and what Christ does and who Christ has made them to be and how they live that out in their lives with one another. So my third application question for you, what might happen if next time you get angry with someone, you choose to love them by listening to them instead. Just to finish out these verses, verse 10, it says, so that you may be able to discern what is best and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ Jesus. That we might know what's right so that we might do what is right. In verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Jesus Christ renovates our hearts that we might live rightly, love those around us, and bring glory and praise to God. Would you pray with me? Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you so much for it. We just pray that you would do this good work in us. As we now come before your table, God, we just confess to you that we are imperfect, that we are that we are flawed. And Lord, we, we just receive your grace and we thank you for it. And we just pray that you'd keep on working in us, that you'd finish what you've started. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, if any of you would like prayer for anything, we have a group of people uh, over here. They'll be over there in just a minute and uh, they'll pray for you. And uh, if any of you are new, uh, we'd love to just gather with you, just gather with just for a few minutes uh, right over here. And um, I'll just kind of let you know a little bit about our church and orient to that. And then guess what? All of you are invited to a big nacho party. Does that sound good? And um, to, to make sure I didn't forget to announce it, they brought me a plate of nachos <laughs> that DJ is going to sample. I'm not sure how my throat's going to handle it right now. Mm, best. <laughs> Best nachos I've ever had. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you got nothing but sour cream on that I one. I, I think I did. <laughs> yeah, but you it was hear. good. You, it is, was so this good. Is, this is for you. Thank you. So you can follow DJ. He's going to go right out there to the social hall, and you can join him just a, just a fellowship and hang out with each other. So it's totally free, and we would love to have you uh, join us at that. So again, prayer here. If you're new, I'd love to gather with you and just share with you a little bit about the churches for a few minutes, and nacho party for everyone else. Sound good? Okay, I invite you to stand and just receive the, the blessing. <clears throat> Partners in the gospel, friends and sources of joy, may you know that he who began a great work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.